You're listening to the Garden City Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Garden City is doing, you can go to GardenCityNW.com slash give or click on give in the show notes. Let's dive into this week's message together. Dallas Willard saw consumerism as one of the big challenges to healthy discipleship, a major barrier to following Jesus well and with clarity. Consumerism is the religion of more. If I just have more, I'll be more. If I have less, I'll be less. Dallas Willard uh, used a term he, he called Christian vampires. He said that Christians can become like um, religious vampires when we only seek Jesus uh, for his blood whenever we feel guilty and need forgiveness. Now, that might sound a little weird to you, but what he's getting at is you know, Christians have this belief that, that on the cross, somehow mysteriously, God was taking evil and, and turning it to good, taking um, all the ugliness in the world and providing forgiveness for humans. And so um, the blood of Jesus for centuries has been seen as this powerful, mysterious thing that provides forgiveness and freedom. And and Dallas uh, was really insightful in seeing that, in, especially I think in the Western church, that um, we can start looking to God for what we get from God, like alleviation of guilt, alleviation of anxiety, and we'll look to Him, we will turn to Him whenever we want that feeling of forgiveness. When we do that, we're just seeking the results of forgiveness and the freedom from guilt and shame without seeking God. Like we want forgiveness, but we don't want a relationship with God in that dynamic. And on top of that, this kind of Christian vampire concept it extends not only to uh, the concept of forgiveness, but also to what we can get from church, what we can get from our, re- our religion, the religious goods and services that we feel we need to help us grow. We can become almost addicted to this. We become consumers of Christ and religion the way vampires consume. Now, what I'd like to do today is, is delve into this concept of consumerism, this religion of more and talk about some of the challenges there. And then I want to eventually get to our scripture, which really is a, is a portrait. It's a painting of what a community uh, that lives in contrast to consumerism can look like. With that said, um, with a consumeristic vampire mentality, like Dallas said, uh, the church can unintentionally um, fill their lives with all kinds of programs, but have very little transformation. That's kind of a strange thing, right? Some of this mentality kind of happens when it's like, I want ministry to me and for me whenever I want it, however I want it. It's kind of like this, you know, ministry on demand, religious goods and services on demand. And we we come to it like, uh, you know, like economic consumers. And we can fill our whole lives Monday through Saturday with all of these things and and to try to fill maybe some of the the gaps we have in our souls. And Dallas Willard said, we become educated beyond our obedience. Now, if you're not familiar with faith, you're new and you're exploring faith in Christ, that might sound like a strange term, but what, it's, what Dallas was getting at is Christians who claim to follow Christ can be so addicted to consuming knowledge, to consuming Bible study, to be consuming you know all kinds of religious things, that we end up educating ourselves beyond our obedience. Uh, maybe a better way of saying that for our day and ages, we become educated beyond our practice. 
Now, when we are educated beyond our practice, it means that we're, we know more than we actually practically are living. We have more knowledge and less love. I think maturity and growth happen usually at the pace of our practice. Sometimes in the West, we think that thinking is what moves us into a new way of living when oftentimes uh, a way of living moves us into a new way of thinking. Uh, both are important, but there needs to be a healthy dynamic there. So we can, be, we can be educated beyond our obedience, beyond our practice. Ultimately, we can be educated about Christian things beyond our ability to love. So some of the ways this can play out without us almost even knowing it, because we live in a consumer culture, a culture that's it's a attention, it's an attention economy. There's things and people and systems and technology and companies and organizations all vying for your attention, vying for you to consume from them um, for dollars, for uh, you know, energy, for your um, your heart your mind, your soul, they just, they want you to be part of what they're doing. And the more they can get of you, the better it is for them. And the church is not immune to this. So if we, if it's true that we can become educated beyond our, our obedience and our practice, that means that Christian Bible studies that are well-meaning, Christian gatherings, Christians, Christian ministries can actually easily become practices of disobedience. Well, how's that possible? You might, you might ask, well, when we consume the words of Christ and the content of religion without practicing and living out the words and life of, of Christ, that's what happens. You start consuming without doing. The story of the wise man and the foolish man um, found in Matthew uh, is a really good illustration of this. Uh, this. In the story, the wise man builds his house on the rock and the foolish man uh, builds his house on sand and then this big storm comes hits both homes, and the, the, the foolish man, his house is destroyed. The wise man, his home still remains, and the foundations were revealed. In this story, we learn the difference, the key difference between the wise person and the foolish person is that the wise person hears the word of, words of Christ and practices them. The foolish person hears the words of Christ, consumes the words of Christ, and then ignores them, doesn't practice them. You know, if you ever hear us at Garden City talking about things, maybe you've heard before, um, certain things like loving our enemies, loving our neighbors, um, having hospitality, giving, being generous, creating belonging. Um, if you hear us coming back to some of these um, values and these practices, and it seems like maybe we're repeating ourselves <laughs> a ton. The reason we're teaching these over and over is because Jesus taught them over and over. And the reason he had to teach them over and over is because we have that tendency to consume and not act, not practice the love that Christ is teaching us. And so we always come back to these things. And the interesting thing is sometimes um, a practice or a, um, a habit or a value, especially a teaching of Jesus, Let's say like the learning how to love our enemies. It might look really simple from the outside. It might look like, oh, someone, you're asking me to practice this. It just looks like I'm going to walk around in a circle. Like it's just, okay, I get what that is. I get that. Let's move on to the next. I want more. I want deeper. Um, I want to go to something much deeper. And we might teach, you know, how to love enemy, how to pray, how to be generous. Um, and we, you just keep coming back to that. I think that these practices and teachings of Jesus aren't just like circles, <laughs> 
it's more like a, a it's like a spiral staircase and the the more you turns you make the higher up you get the more you can see and the better you actually understand yourself and why Jesus is teaching us to live life in these ways now one of the issues with just consuming religion consuming faith consuming the the teachings of Jesus without practicing it is that we are left unchallenged and unchanged and um, we, or we can, we can learn really good how to put a, a veneer, how to put a front uh, that, that makes it look like we're good and that we're practicing the way of Jesus when we might not really be practicing the way of Jesus. We might look good without actually learning to be good. Uh, we may look generous without actually being generous. We may look like we know how to pray or that we are connected with the Lord and love the Lord without actually having a strong relationship with him. Maybe we can put this veneer up um, and we make God, faith, maturity into our own image when we do that. No wonder the skeptic, the person that doesn't believe, maybe you're even sitting there today, no wonder the skeptic wants nothing to do with this form of faith this religious consumerism. And you might be there today thinking, man, this is, this is why I don't want to follow Jesus. This is why I don't want to be a, known as a Christian. But here's the thing. Consumerism isn't, the, isn't just in the religious realm. It's not just in the church. It touches down in all of our lives. This consumerism that has seeped into the church is seeping into the skeptic's life. It's seeping into all of our lives because of the culture we live in. Our phones are set up for consumption. I mean, they're portals to our consumption of choice. The foods that we want, the dating apps, the social media, like we, we are, we're in a consumption culture, consuming the people, the things, the pleasures, the, the, the experiences, the ideologies that make us feel good. Like we consume that stuff. People say we live in this attention economy. I think it's almost better said as a consumption economy. One of the gifts that skeptics and seekers bring to the church is sometimes they can see the unhealthy consumerism within churches. They can see when churches aren't practicing the way of Jesus. Uh, I mean, just imagine being someone who doesn't know church, doesn't know faith, um, but they've heard of Jesus. And... Uh, Let's just say they, like the wise man and foolish man, they see all, a whole community that have built their homes on their faith, a type of faith. And then a hundred year or a 50 year storm comes in and fully reveals the foundation, reveals whether we have just been consuming the ideas of Christ or we've actually been living the way of Jesus. I mean, they see it so clearly. And I think that's a gift. One of the ways the church can be a gift to the world is when we follow in a fashion, we follow Jesus in a way and within a vision that lives in a contrast. It lives in a, in a way that is subversive to the, all the consuming going on, a life-giving way. Now, I want to get into that in a second. I just want to note a few other things. So whether you're a skeptic, you've been uh, in church, you've been religious, you're agnostic, you, you live in the West. I think we, we can acknowledge that we live in a world that, that has this religion of more. If I have more, then I'll be more. If I have less, then I'll be less. Um, if I could just have more, then I could just be 
more. And here are some of the traps that I think all of us can fall into. We can buy into the illusion that uh, critiquing other things and critiquing the bad things we see in the world is maturity. Well, anybody can critique, but critiquing doesn't build anything good. So along with that is we make the mistake of, of trying to look good without actually being good because like I've, I've identified with this group or I'm, I'm for this thing over here with my words, with my social media, with my, you know, my relationships, but I haven't actually done anything. So we'd rather look giving and caring than actually be giving and caring. That's, that's not what Jesus is calling us to. Some ways this can play out is like when we identify with like, e- even like consuming our favorite podcasts that represent the best, what we think is best, we can think just by identifying with that uh, makes you a certain kind of person. And that might not transform you at all. It just might make you somebody who likes to watch a lot of what they talk about. Oh, man, the way of Jesus always calls us to active love, sacrificial, generous love. We can sometimes make the mistake too with consumerism, like I am what I consume. And so, you know, I need to consume great things. Uh, we start tearing down brokenness rather than building up goodness. We make the mistake of critiquing without participation, um, as if like not participating can make anything good grow. We make the mistake of uh, believing that if we have more perfect knowledge, if we have a more perfect leader, a more perfect pastor, more charismatic, if I associate with that person, that group, that system, um, that theology, then I'm going to be okay. What you can end up doing is like, I'm going to, this theology was bad, so I'm going to jump to this theology. Uh, This leader was bad, so I'm going to jump to this leader. You jump from ditch to ditch without attending to the the core issues. Uh, Like it leaves like um, our actual emotional uh, healing, our emotional awareness unattended, Uh, leaves some of our, our actual relational core issues unattended because we're jumping from this to this and we're just dealing uh, on a fruit level when we need to get to the roots. The other thing is that we can start believing that by consuming more, I'll be, I'll be satisfied. And it's like trying to drink sand. We never are satisfied. Another illusion is like that, 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 that we'll be happy and we'll have a sense of like being in the moment when consumption steals us it steals your soul from being in the moment we're not present with our greatest our our, our loved ones people we care about most we get we get stolen away i don't know about you but i don't want to miss like one smile from my kids that i don't have to miss i don't want to miss one tear that my family or fret or friends are 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 shedding i don't want to miss an embrace or a um a cry out for help from a friend. Worry, hurry, and consumption will blind us and steal those moments where we can't be present with people. This is the addictive nature of consumption. Religious goods and services. I just that's what I need. Content, Amazon orders, podcasts, food, movies, theology, politics. These are all these things unto themselves aren't necessarily bad, but when we get a addicted to them, what we start, what we're consuming begins to consume us. Why do we have this like need to consume? We live in a world like of, (laughs) we live in a world of institutions and groups and systems that know that we have these, this deep need like to consume. Where does it come from? Well, consumption numbs pain. 
it takes us away from our pain because we can focus on something else. Uh, I don't know about you, but like sometimes I start thinking of my favorite food when I'm stressed. Um, it takes it, you know it takes us away from stress for a little while, and provides some relief. It tricks us into believing that uh, maybe we know it all. Uh, it makes us believe that I am mature. Um, uh, I, and consumption, we know it doesn't make us mature, but we can be fooled into that. Into that. Uh, it makes us think, oh, I'm a part of the right tribe and they're part of the wrong tribe. So it can breed kind of like this indifference or arrogance. What does Jesus have to say about this religion of consumer, consumerism, this religion of more? What does Jesus have to say to our world? I just want to read a passage and, and just have a, a few small reflections to offer a little different vision. Mark 6, 35, late in the day, his disciples came to him. This is Jesus. And they said this, this is an isolated place and it's already late in the day. So send them away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages to buy something to eat for themselves. Jesus is doing ministry. He's exhausted. He's working with all these people. And it's coming to the end of the day, and the disciples are like, all right, let's shut it down. Let's send them home um, so they can go get something to eat. And Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. You know, our day's not over. Our ministry's not over today. But they said to him, should we go off and buy bread worth almost eight months pay? Do we have that, those, that money for ministry, Jesus? And then we give that to them to eat. Should we squander money that way, Jesus? He said to them, to his disciples, how much bread do you have? Take a look. See how much bread you have. Now, after checking, they said, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. So Jesus, I think we're going to go with plan A. Let's send them home. Now, hone in here for today. I want, us to, I want to leave us with this vision. Jesus, he directed the disciples to seat all the people in groups as though they were having a banquet on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up to heaven, and he blessed them, broke the loaves into pieces, and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all, and everyone ate until they were full. It's so amazing that contentment came through giving and receiving, receiving and giving together what Christ had given them. They filled the filled 12 baskets full with the leftover pieces of bread and fish. About 5,000 had eaten. But what an incredible moment, incredible miracle. But I want to focus on a, on a few key things. And here's what I want to focus on. This moment where Jesus stepped up and, and, and sat people down in groups where they gave and received. They shared hospitality and they ate together. And I think it's so amazing in this moment of like scarcity, in this moment where, uh, you know, they could have sent them all home, Jesus actually got them into groups, and that that I think transcended social barriers: the rich and the poor, the important and the unimportant, the insider and the outsider, were circled up as if for a banquet. And all they've got in the you know the beginning was a few loaves of bread and some fish for thousands of people. What a, an amazing moment. Gets them into community. And a, a, a banquet of belonging, radical inclusion. And then they begin sharing the meal. You know, in, the, in this moment, I think it's so powerful because uh, when you're eating with, with people, when you're like put with people that maybe 
Maybe you have some of your tribe, your people, your family, the ones you know, the, your, your friends that you like. But in the groups he was putting them in, it's probably people they didn't know. Like you can't purely consume each other. You have to include each other with what Jesus is doing. Something happens when we sit together in inclusion. We belong and we give and receive. You know, it's interesting too. Uh, it's a really interesting moment in the ministry of Jesus that he he can and does provide a miracle, but he does this in such a unique way. He he could have easily given you know up a into a, a kind of a consumer relationship with the crowds and with his disciples. Like, I'm going to be the miracle worker. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to feed you all. And like, you, boom, like everything happens and is given to them. But he doesn't just create something totally from nothing. He, he takes from what they have and then begins, that, that's where the multiplication comes from. And, and then he takes the little that they have and he puts that in the hands of his disciples. They have to receive from him and then give. And then when they give, the people in the groups have to receive and then give and receive and then give. And this is such a beautiful picture of what a contrast community can look like in a world of consumerism, a world of more, where people are trusting and loving and including and taking care of one another, receiving and giving, giving and receiving. We do need, we are such, you know, I'm such a needy person. There's, there's no doubt I need the forgiveness of God. There's no doubt that I love to watch Netflix. There's no doubt, you know, I have things that, and I love connecting with people. We do have needs, but if we can live in a way where they don't consume us, but we can learn to kind of be in this rhythm, this, like, it almost seems like the way God designed it, where we are learning to be self-giving and receiving, then we, it becomes like a, have you ever seen a really unhealthy like lake that is uh, it's stagnant? Usually it's because there's no you know uh, intake, there's no water getting in, and there's no water leaving. When we you see a healthy lake, you see a healthy reservoir when there's water coming in and there's water going out, and there's a rhythm there. And I think it's true for the human soul, and I think Jesus shows us how to choose like this third way between the voice of capitulation to consumerism. Uh, doing this miracle and feeding everybody and being like the super, just the superhero um, or giving into this voice of like scarcity and like send them away. There's no way we can take care of all these people. We got to split. No, we're going to do this, but we're going to do this. This is going to be participation. This is going to be love and action. Let's note something. None of this giving and receiving, this contrast to scarcity uh, and consumption, none of this happens. This community of belonging, this hospitality, none of it. If they don't listen to the voice of Jesus, they don't practice. They get in the circles. They take what's been given to them. They receive it and they give it to others. None of it happens without listening to His voice. So I just want to leave you with a few questions to reflect on this vision of love and generosity. How are you giving and receiving gifts with your communities, maybe your neighborhood, your work, your family, your church community? What's one simple step you can take towards circling up in maybe an unlikely community of belonging and join in the rhythm of giving and receiving, receiving, and giving. 
Guys, I love you so much. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Garden City Church, reach out at info at gardencitynw.com or click contact in our show notes. Garden City services are made possible by your generosity. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.